episode of Problem Busters with myself, Jonathan, and my honourable co-host, Ollie. How are you? I like being honourable. I'm very good, sir. <laughs> the weather is warming and uh, perhaps we need a bit more rain, but otherwise I'm enjoying this whole spring and being able to go outside and occasionally see other people in a way that's not across the street. Yeah, I think it's uh i've got a problem to bust which is my uh garden <laughs> it needs a good mow uh so i wonder if, I, if i'll tackle that this weekend um but yeah the weather is really really warming up which is quite funny because i have a friend in the south of france who said it was been a bit rainy there so you know it's uh, interesting times interesting times but uh, we did yeah we did have uh, eddie on talking about global warming previously so who knows it's a who thing knows? it is it is so we are joined by a guest today. We are indeed. So we have with us today Daryl Woodhouse. Daryl is a speaker, coach, and a founder who helps leaders and their teams grow performance and maximize like life-work balance. And I hesitate on that ever so slightly because we usually say it work-life balance. And there's a good reason it's that way around, which we will get into in a moment. And that is largely around his recent program, The Life Work Effect, which has just hit the market and going gangbusters to help people achieve balance. So, Daryl, thank you for making time to join us. Thank you for having me, guys. Great to be here. It's a pleasure. So, uh, we always start off with a little bit about you and about your journey to get to today. So, your time starts now, my friend. Thank you very much. And again, thanks for having me today. My bit on my background, uh, I'll try and keep it as a short version. Uh, there's two halves of my career to date, uh, 19 years uh, working so far. Uh, first half uh, was in the, the corporate leadership world and worked my way up to a, a national role for a FTSE top 10, uh, which I started uh, just turned 26, I think it was, when I started that role. And I was very lucky to be on a global executive training program from a younger age that sort of set me on the way for where I am today, really, and gave me lots of important skills for presentations and networking and leadership, um, strategy, change management, building businesses, and all of this kind of great stuff. And in 2012, I, um, after a lot of thinking um, and procrastination, I walked away from that corporate world to start my first business and join the entrepreneur community. And it's been an interesting few years. I set up quite well for that with some of the, the business and leadership experience I had, but there was lots of stuff I didn't know and lots of stuff that wasn't in textbooks and certainly didn't learn at school in terms of so why and how so many businesses fail and how to beat the odds and how to make a startup to scale up journey a little bit smoother. And But despite that, with a lot of hard work, um, we did achieve some uh, great success with my first business, Advantage Business Partnerships, which scaled up to seven figures revenue in the first couple of years and built a really great team and infrastructure serving companies from all over the world, helping them with entrepreneur mentoring and non-executive director advisory services leadership development programs, team building workshops, and a load of other great stuff really to help give businesses and teams the, the skills, the knowledge and the tools to maximize their potential and be successful. And then in around 2015, I was coming away from that business a little bit because uh, I was happy with the size that it got to and some of the achievements we had. And I guess having that uh, entrepreneurial thirst for variety I wanted to get involved in some other businesses. So since then, I've invested in several technology companies, a couple of successful exits. I became one of the youngest business lecturers um, in the world for a London business school. I started doing more keynote speaking, which is a great way that I can reach more people and share my experiences and some of the ups and downs of my corporate and then start up to scale up experience. And, and amongst all of that, uh, in 2016, I had a major burnout. Uh, which is obviously one of the problems we're going to talk about today. And uh, the, the burnout was a combination of a couple of things that aren't uncommon for others that go through this. Um, part of it was a long time coming from being a workaholic and putting work before life for too often, for too long, and not um, having a careful balance of well-being, time with my family, my friends. Uh, it was literally just work, 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 really excessive hours and uh, 
an overachiever, perfectionist mentality. But it was it was a personal tragedy in my private life in that year, 2016, that brought everything out and made everything too much. And there's a message there that um, even people who are seen to be successful and strong and resilient and hardworking, they are they can be vulnerable to burnout and mental health challenges. And um, if mental health and burnout isn't addressed soon enough, it can leave you with permanent health problems that you have to manage daily for the rest of your life. And I have several of those. Um, it can also destroy families. It can destroy marriages. It can destroy businesses. And uh, so I've, I've experienced some of this stuff the hard way. And from coming back from that to a point of having a four-day week and becoming much happier in life than ever before and seeing actually my career successes and my client case studies getting even bigger and, and better, I kind of, the writing was on the wall that um, less is sometimes more. And, uh, and I started going deeper into the world of productivity and life-work balance and well-being and learned that uh, there's a better way to the old traditional uh, rat race that both corporates and typically entrepreneurs um, kind of almost embrace too easily. And uh, life's too short. And, uh, you know, as I say, it's, uh, there's quite a few uh, things you want to avoid with burnout. And so uh, I uh, decided uh, about uh, two years ago that uh, I had to do more with what I'd been through to make it more public and take it to the stage and take it into my programs, you know, as a duty to raise awareness of, of burnout and overworking and to show people a way that you can have a really great life work balance while still succeeding and progressing in your career or scaling and building up your business and still having the, the income um, but also that lifestyle that you really want but it comes with planning life first and a uh, bit of a hint there on stuff we'll talk about later as to why it's it should be life work balance and not work life balance which is what we've been conditioned to believe for decades yeah yeah it's quite interesting you touched on, on quite a few points i just wanted to ask before we actually get into the <laughs> the detail of the problem that you're busting. In regard to the entrepreneurship, was there any sort of big realizations you had with the lifestyle of high achieving entrepreneurs that were not too healthy and, and that sort of would contribute to burnout? Mm, absolutely. It's a great question, Jonathan. Um, absolutely. There was, there were quite obvious kind of, uh, some of like behavioral traits, um, which I had and I kind of, indulged in them i just kind of just went with them rather than sort of being more aware and sort of stepping back and thinking hang on a minute that's not healthy <laughs> you know uh this kind of stuff if my life ended tomorrow uh, you know i've not really lived it as much as i could have done for example that's uh, another good uh, way of looking at things and it's things like and it, these are things that i say they were evident in myself and since i've studied the topic and learned more about it i've seen that you know this is typical in other business leaders and entrepreneurs as well that are overworkers, overachievers. So uh, it's things like um, working long hours, obviously. It's things like um, always being too busy and um, always being rushed. And uh, typically, for instance, being regularly late for meetings, even if it's just a few minutes, that's such a, a big indicator that someone's got a bit too much on their plate and they might need a helping hand uh, with life work balance and, uh, and guilty. Things down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, you see, if you're an overachiever or a perfectionist, that kind of, it, it makes it much harder to fight that because it's like a natural habit to overwork and to pack too much into, in the diary and to not say no often enough when people uh, make other demands on our time, our resources. So there's a big thing about being aware of being too reactive to, uh, as I call them, time gremlins and that are very, very happy and hungry to take our time and to be more proactive with how we spend our time and what life work boundaries we set, you know, making sure we do the important stuff like the gym or the running and do that first thing in the day. Don't plan to do it at the end of the day when you're quite knackered and you might just want to put your feet up because, you know, surprise, surprise, what happens if you have a busy day, you know, even if you planned that session in the gym for the end of the day, you're not going to do it. Um, so do it in the start of the day and so many health and energy benefits of getting that done and the, the feel good, the endorphins, and that fuels your headspace, your innovative thinking, your problem busting thinking. It feeds your efficiencies and energy to get more done in day and to get it done quicker into a higher standard. Um, so a few little things there, um, uh, people who skip lunches or eat lunch on the run, you know, it's like a, a quick sandwich 
um, while they're literally running between meetings or I don't know, um, literally they've got five minutes between back-to-back meetings and they're eating it really quickly so that they can be on and be there and be present for that next meeting. Um, so it's it's things like that, really. They, they won't have as much of a social life. Um, they won't be making time for friends. Their work, their their business, they kind of, to an extent, they love it and they see it as a hobby. Um, but it can be a very unhealthy uh, hobby if you don't have some careful boundaries. And that's kind of one of the messages I, I want to uh, reinforce with others. That's a really good point. And I feel like you're describing my week too often. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is we can, we've, there's lots of things we can do about that, Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've gotten better at the whole lunch aspect. And uh, I don't know if it's coming across now. I think uh, I've spoken about food so often <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> ah, brilliant. <laughs> but yeah. I think that the whole lunch piece was a uh, I've actually trained myself to enjoy my lunches and enjoy those brief periods of break and and I think tech also helps because I have like a I have a Garmin watch. I think Garmin and technology has helped me because it shows me how stressed I am during the day and, and my sort of rest periods as well, which is quite interesting. It's super interesting, uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that really also helped, you know, as a trigger to say, oh, okay, I need to actually have these times of these down periods during my day rather than always working at peak. So I really relate to that, Daryl. Yeah, really close to home. <laughs> well, just, just picking up on that point, I think being close to home has also helped me a lot because it was quite easy I think being in a work environment working with engineers and everything feeling like it needs to happen now and that there's all these mouths that need to be fed with work that's ready to go and if they get blocked they need to be unblocked you know for a sprint to get through to the conclusion it should have all of those words that I've used to describe it suggest urgency and speed right and they don't easily feel parked at 12 o'clock when you want to go and have your lunch break but being at home has been quite interesting because I've now move to the stage of saying folks let's not book meetings between 12 and 2 because people in different time zones are having lunch around that time and let's actually step away from our desks for it so in my case that means going down the ladder out of the attic and actually making some lunch and having it with my fiance and it is so much better it makes the day feel like two small days rather than one long day right definitely definitely and we're now blessed with it's quite a few sort of productivity life work balance studies that have come out in the last few years and um, so we're now sort of blessed with an increasing amount of data and research that that proves that in terms of overworking you know, less is more and it just shows how a range of benefits come from having that more balance you know more energy being happier and there's even a study from oxford university that showed that 30 um from various efforts and initiatives and surveys people who are happier at work and happier with the work that they were doing um, were 12 percent more productive <laughs> now there was actually some really simple quick techniques you can do as an employer if you've got a team or if you're an entrepreneur on your own there's just a, a few simple things you can do to make yourself a little bit happier um, at the start of and, and during the day it doesn't take that much time but to get a 13% productivity boost for a few minutes of your time here and there, it's a good investment. You'll have to share a couple of those with us now, Dale. Yeah, of course, I will. I will. <laughs> I will. So one of them is about noticing your mood and your energy levels during the day um, and being more aware of when they dip or when they are typically lower. And an example of this is when you've got, and um, what I like to call, it's going to make some few people laugh, a few people might snigger at this, but can't please everyone. But it's what I like to call a, a big hairy potato. <laughs> Sounds gross, doesn't it? If you actually imagine a really big hairy potato, you'd be like, that's going right at the bottom of the bin and not in the kitchen bin. I'm taking this right <laughs> outside to the big dumpster. I don't want to be anywhere near this. And you've got this big hairy potato. You don't want to touch it <laughs> as a work task. It's typically things that are more complex, complicated, laborious, maybe boring. You know, They're not things you like doing. Um, maybe you don't like doing them because they're just not within your interests or because it requires quite a you know a good few hours of your day and requires a lot of focus and concentration and there could be a whole host of different types of big hairy potatoes that we all have to deal with in our working week so typically when we have those um, it's very common even for very ambitious and smart and hard-working people that we quite naturally want to put off doing them because we're, you know, it's not, it's not going to be fun. You know, we want to do um, tasks that we enjoy and tasks that are maybe quicker 
because getting th- something ticked off the list you know, makes us feel good. So if we can tick off six things in an hour, that makes us feel really good. It's a short-term you know, happiness boost. But that big hairy potato, the more we put it off, it's looming. And even in our subconscious, we're thinking about it, which is taking away some of our energy and draining us. So the trick is to fight that temptation and do those big hairy potatoes earlier in the day when our energy is more at its peak. Um, that way, you're going to get it done quicker as well. Um, from actually getting it out of the way sooner rather than procrastinating, keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, leaving it till the last minute when the deadline's about to pass, which then creates more stress hormones and anxiety and affects the quality and the efficiency of you getting that task done. Instead, you're going to buck that trend and you're going to get the task done quicker uh, in less time. And that in itself gives you a really great feel-good factor wow, I'm so glad I got that done a week early. I'm so glad I did that first thing in the day. And I'm so glad I got that done 20 minutes quicker than I thought because now I can go and do a walk, go and get myself a a Costa coffee or I can go and play with my kids and have a break or have a healthy snack. (laughs) And then I can get back to all the other stuff that I have to do. And so it helps give even more energy boost and natural endorphins to then get all the other stuff done. And when I just, it's a simple example, but it's very, very common. It comes up a lot. And when I first learned that trick a few years back, I found that I ended up finishing my working day a lot sooner by tackling those big hairy potatoes first. And then obviously the other one is like, you know, if you can avoid doing it by delegating it to someone who loves those kind of tasks as well, you know, maybe, especially if you're an entrepreneur or a leader with a team and line reports or freelance support, just always, always, always challenge yourself. Do I really have to do this? Is there someone else that would actually enjoy doing this task? <laughs> and usually when we enjoy something, we end up doing it two, three, four times quicker than someone who doesn't enjoy it. So there's a whole efficiency multiplier there as well. Um, so um, that's uh, sort of one way to have more fun and boost energy and productivity at work. And then the second one is um, a different technique. If Let's say um, you've decided that you're going to do these big hairy potatoes on a certain day earlier on, first thing even, maybe after breakfast, but you're still feeling a little bit of resistance. You're like, no, oh God, I'm not going to enjoy this. Just take five minutes out and go and do something fun. And for me, it's I've done things like uh, I love fitness and exercise. So I've often gone and just done a, a hundred sit-ups or a hundred push-ups and it makes me feel good and it gets my energy up. Or I'll go for a walk around the block or I'll go and have some cuddles with my baby daughter. And it just really gets your energy levels up and it lifts your mood and it just kind of gets you into that big hairy potato more easily. Whereas traditionally, it's quite common. We wouldn't ever do that. I'm not going to take five minutes out because I've got to get this done. I've got a deadline. I can't afford to take time out, but it's only five minutes. And the benefits of that five minutes, there's a huge return on investment from that. So Ollie, Jonathan, hopefully there's a few little things that resonate maybe there. What do you think? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, you've got the little ones in the other room right now having bath time, if I'm not mistaken, Jonathan. Yes, yes. And me uh, too. (laughs) (laughs) I think I am guilty of the old uh, hug and cuddle methodology there. (laughs) Good, good, good. Yeah, I like that. And the... um, the hairy potato methodology. Big is a hairy potato. Big Jonathan. hairy potato. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so funny enough, I have found that as well, actually, but mostly through trial and error. And I haven't had anybody um, sort of put it as well as you have, to be fair. I do tend to tackle big tasks like big project work. I, I usually, um, not that I, they're big hairy potatoes, but some are. <laughs> I tend to tackle those early in the morning. And that's after a, a brief workout. Um, so I like to go on the rowing machine. I've got a rowing machine. Yay. So I, I get on that and then, um, then sort of tackle those tasks. And then towards the afternoon, I know that my levels, my, um, because I get grumpy when I don't eat. <laughs> so yeah, me too. I tend, yeah. So I tend to notice when I'm, when I'm on a dip, I either have like a fruit or have a few cuddles with my daughter and uh, have have lunch or whatever, and, and I'm back with a bit more energized, which is really good because um, I think Ollie, the business of uh, of data is is quite tough and, and and a bit of a mental strain at points. But yeah, um, definitely, definitely, and and you know this is this brings me on to another thought. And uh, however, before I do, just in case folks were wondering, the the problem that we're dealing with today is burnout and how to avoid it and how to recover from it. And thinking it through. 
I'd also add another layer to that, and that's something that I spend more and more of my time thinking about, and I know both Jonathan and Daryl do, and that is the, how can I achieve this for my team? How can I exercise my duty of care to ensure as much as possible that the people who are entrusted to me and the people that work around me are also avoiding burnout? And how do I help identify when they might be at risk and when they're overdoing it? And then how do I help them to recover? And that, to that end, what have you learned, Daryl, in your days of working with teams when you apply some of the tips that you've just shared to the role of a leader observing, and particularly I'm thinking having one-to-ones with the team, when you guiding people to become better at creating a better life-work balance for those around us? Yeah, I mean, lots of things, really. Um, certainly, we see improved motivation, we see improved teamwork, we see increased staff loyalty, people stay in the organization longer because they enjoy it more, they feel more looked after, they feel safer, and then they enjoy the culture. We also see, um, in, we've also seen the knock-on effects there as well, because if, if your staff are happier, then guess what? Your customers get a better service, they speak to happier, employees and they have greater experiences so even we see increases in customer retention we see increases in sales conversion in sales teams because again you know if the quality of work and the energy from a burnt out sales team is worlds apart from a sales team that is energized motivated uh, living a good life work balance you know not burnt out and so on so um, there's a few things there. We also see big increases in productivity, even when people are reducing their working hours um, because of the, the power of you know, nurturing energy, time management, productivity skills. We can track that right through to profits as well. Um, so there's kind of two sides of having, uh, as I like to call them, having and creating and nurturing a culture of productive well-being. So a lot of organizations have jumped on uh, employee well-being programs in recent years and there's different degrees of how effectively and they've done that and how well vested they are to really enjoy the benefits but obviously investing in employee well-being initiatives is the right thing to do you know in terms of looking after our people and being a responsible leader or employer and indirectly does boost productivity in the workplace as well but then there's a whole multiplier effect of then alongside that if you embrace enhancing productivity skills and life work balance uh, routine and, and skills in that workforce so that in turn directly tackles improved business success but it also is indirectly boosting well-being so the the message there is that employers can one do the right thing by looking after their staff more which has become uh, even more important through this global pandemic um, with life work balance becoming more blurred with remote working and in some cases productivity dipping where people have children at home and you know a whole load of other stuff they don't have the right environment to do their best work so they can do all the right thing and look after people's well-being but they can also drive greater business success and greater profit greater productivity so they can kind of tick both the the hearts and minds box and the the money side which unfortunately particularly in some of the larger organizations uh, larger corporates very typically uh, their strategy is very much focused on how much money can we save this quarter and how much profit will we make and the well-being and the care for their people the focus on developing talent for the future and nurturing and developing their workforce doesn't really come up too much in their board meeting agendas uh, and I know that from uh, a range of personal experiences as well as uh, through my clients over the years so now we're saying that they can have both they can you know they can make more money from doing this stuff and they can actually be a nicer better employer as well by looking after people yeah and that's a great thing right it can't come soon enough words are so important too aren't they one area of study for me was um, what was called at the time human resource management and just that phrase itself indicates a real mindset doesn't it and it is completely different to the word talent that you just used <laughs> and people want to squeeze the most out of out of resource but they want to retain and do right by and enjoy the benefits of extending and challenging and and growing talent don't they yeah my 
find that very interesting. Maybe now is a good time to just reflect on the moment that you mentioned right back at the start where you'd built a business and it was going really well. And then a number of factors all happened at once, didn't they, from the story. But the pandemic occurred and based on your description, I imagine there was a lot of face-to-face interaction and coaching and training and and on-site workshops that occurred. What did you learn as an employer during lockdown and what are you doing differently today? Gosh, that's a big question, Ollie. (laughs) Well, feel Um, free to just grab a couple. That's fine. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, so what did I learn? I think it was a big, you know, as someone who had a fair amount of sort of business success uh, behind him and awards and whatnot, it was quite a big hit initially to uh, my confidence, actually, as a, as a, as a company founder, um, you know, that I'm someone who is known to help individuals and going to organizations to help them be more successful. Uh, yet, you know, my business had a more than 80% drop in revenue within 36 hours of the first UK lockdown. You know, it put us into uh, monthly losses uh, for the first time in eight years of profitable business and growth. And it was devastating. It was devastating seeing how many of our clients um, had to go into administration, uh, seeing how many you know families and livelihoods were affected. And we needed to work uh, very, very hard to uh, do things differently and to reinvent and to adjust to uh, virtual delivery, which required an overhaul of systems and infrastructure and even the way that we do our sales and our marketing. Uh, you know, we had to switch all of this. So there was a lot of um, stress and, and worry. And, and I know it's not just for my business, you know, for so many businesses and, it, and it's still hard now uh, for many. But, you know, what we're seeing now for ourselves and also for many others who stayed proactive and kept going um, when this, this crisis hit and, to, and who worked hard to listen and, and learn and, and find out about new opportunities and then to embrace those new opportunities. The silver linings are quite quickly within our grasp and you know what we've got now sort of what 14 months on from that first lockdown and um, you know we've got a business that's more robust that is going to be much more uh, stable and secure for any further future global pandemics that might arise. Hopefully not touch wood again and we've really embraced uh, technology which we were pretty good at digital transformation and, and leveraging technology previously but now we've taken that to a whole other level develop new products that give us more scalability and work in in that digital environment and, and even on a more of a global basis and, and not just exclusive to the uk and europe and we're more excited than ever for the future because we've worked so hard and because we've really embraced innovation and the power of technology and our knowledge as well of the marketplace and what people need. And it's, you know, it's, it's really nice that we're starting to see some great uh, success stories come out in the press of you know, a range of organizations that are starting to reap the rewards of some of their reinventions or pivoting, as some people like to call it. And isn't it interesting to, I remember uh, someone who we've had on the show by the, by the name of Nick Haidar. He, I remember him saying to Jonathan and I one day, Lockdown and periods of great strain show the cracks, but they also define us by how we respond to them. And I remember really clearly, um, quite early in lockdown one in the UK, so a good year and a bit ago now, reading about supermarkets. And obviously supermarkets, many of them closed a lot of doors and a lot of staff were let go. I remember Tesco's had reacted in a way that wasn't getting good press. And in the same update, the competitor Morrison's had given all staff a payout of I think it was a thousand pounds as a lockdown gesture and I just thought wow how much this is an opportunity to live the way that that we want to be as an organization and to react um, appropriately. Fantastic. Do you think we should move on to to talking about the new product um, Jonathan? Yes I think so. (laughs) <laughs> so that sorry i've been thrown off uh Darryl, you're talking about the life work effect can you tell us a bit about the concept and how it frames your views of achieving the work-life balance yeah absolutely so what i've done is um created this um a methodology i've been using for years but um i've kind of productized it more and made it more scalable and, and adapted it to the increasing importance of managing uh, remote teams, uh, driving productivity and helping teams and individuals to 
have a, a, a much better and smarter life balance. Um, and so there's four main pillars that I, I help people with through my programs. It's uh, number one, you've got uh, helping them improve strategy and planning. And number two, you've got productivity mastery. And then you've got life work balance, skills and routine. Um, and then you've got well-being. And when you work across all four of those at once, there's a huge multiplier effect towards a much happier life and greater success at work. And I say I've, it's, you know, it's, it's, it comes from lived experience and 19 years um, career experience. Um, even my experiences of the burnout and relational trauma um, comes into everything that I put into this uh, recently launched program. And then um, knowing over the years from all of the various trainings that I've done and I've attended as well, when I, when I go to learn from others, I found that so many successful people, um, they go and do workshops or webinars or read books and they enjoy them and they feel inspired and they come up with so many great ideas and they learn so much. But um, a few things, statistically, we've been found to forget 75% of what we learn on those experiences within 24 hours. Um, so that's a big opportunity. Did you say seventy-five percent? Seventy-five percent, yeah. Wow. Just within twenty-four hours, yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> well, and then you look at well, why? Why is that? Well, life is so busy. There's so many distractions, uh, so many things we have to do all the time. Especially if we are hard workers, overachievers as well. Uh, especially if we haven't developed our skills and routines for life-work balance and productivity, which typically aren't on the curriculum in university, for example. Wasn't well, um, my degree. <laughs> no, no. Um, and it's not in any typical kind of leadership um, training courses, for example. So, you know, if we're not training our current and future leaders on all this stuff, then how are the rest of the world going to learn this stuff? So it's kind of something that I'm predicting is going to have a lot more appreciation and focus in the coming years. And so in my COVID innovation, if we can call it that, or reinvention, um, I wanted to develop an app to go alongside my program that makes it much easier for entrepreneurs, leaders and their teams to take all the great lessons from my 12-week transformation program and turn those into simple, easy actions, um, but also to be blessed with lots of data and insights about how well they're doing and helping them to focus and to find motivation to keep going, to keep making the improvements and enjoying the results, but actually being, as I say, being able to really see and measure those results. And that's one of the examples of, you know, the power of an app. There's so much more you can do in a coaching program when you pull in the power of an app and the data side and the, the gamification side as well. So just as a few examples, but, uh, so, but also so, yeah, I, that's completely <laughs> different. Yeah, I love that. I I don't even know if you could if you could uh, hear me, but I might well see me. You can't see me, but you could probably hear me smiling. I love the agile approach to training and coaching. That is just immense. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Well, I I do feel it's um it's an area I've I've done a lot of uh, research in as well, and um it's like a lot of my peers um in in the, the coaching training professional speaking industry, um a lot of them when lockdown first came, they all literally jumped to launch and create online courses for the first time, and and some of them launched them within weeks and some within months, and that's fantastic. But I, I, and I looked at that and I considered it, but I just didn't want to just do it just because everyone else was. And I was like, actually, I'm going to take my time here and do something that I really believe can be much more impactful. And that's where I then, you know, have launched an online program, but I've done it, you know, 12 months later than the rest. And I've done it in a really different way that, um, you know, with the app and the other things I've included really drives um, some valuable data, some valuable insights and um, helps drive real change. And that's why we call it a transformation program. And uh, to give you an example. Yeah, great. I was just going to ask. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of the, the headlines that's um, uh, in a really exciting way for me, getting a lot of, uh, let's say, appreciation at the moment, is that participants that come through the program, just from one hour of their time per week, over 12 weeks, and that's a mix of learning styles. It's watching some short videos. It's using some of the resources and tools we provide in a step-by-step -step format. It's using the app as that action enabler tool and for the data insights capture. And um, so there's a, a range of things. So it's quite an interactive program. Plus you have live coaching sessions and Q and A's as well, private community group. 
And that's all of that is just an average of one hour a week over 12 weeks. But as one of the results, everyone is identifying at least 10 hours a week that they can then do something else with. <laughs> and for some, if they're massively overworking, I'm talking like 50 plus hours of work time per week. For some of them, they really want to get a bit more control and a bit more life back. So they just take that 10 hours back for themselves, which still has a positive impact on well-being, sustainability of their work and boost productivity. But however, some feel there's a bit of a guilt. They don't want to be seen to be lazy. They don't want to be the first one to sign off from work for the day. So we do a bit of a half and half. So they take five hours back for themselves, step up the fitness, have more time for friends and family, pick up the guitar that's got dusty and you haven't touched for five years, you know, you, you, whatever your other hobbies and passions are. And there's a lot you can do in an extra five hours a week when you think of it like this. And then the other five hours from the 10 that we're saving, we then reallocate those to higher value tasks that you or they um, have just not had as much time for. And it's typically things like having more time to build a better strategy, to look more long term in the business and to, to work on the business, not in the day to day and being very reactive to our inbox or our phone calls or the number of meeting requests actually taking more time out to plan better productivity, to plan better quality sales conversations, better quality marketing campaigns that can help us grow our client base more quickly and more easily. And by spending more time doing that stuff, obviously there's a massive multiplier effect on how quickly our businesses can be more successful and grow. And then you can grow your resources, take on more staff, take on more freelance support, and you can reduce your stress further because you've got more of a team to support you and take on the tasks that you don't like doing and the tasks that aren't your strengths. And these are all some of the things that we measure through the app as well. So it makes it really easy to kind of plan resourcing and improve teamwork as well if you roll it out across a, a wider number of people. That's really interesting because it kind of it interweaves a little bit with the fitness watch on your wrist concept, doesn't it, Jonathan? Yeah, it does. It does. What I like is a is the trade off an hour for ten. What would you do with your ten, Oli? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I guess it depends <laughs> on where I live and living in Brighton at this time of the year, and a world that's no longer in lockdown, which I'm projecting us into in the very near future. I'd be going out and seeing people and going for walks, getting up on the downs, getting in the water. I'd probably get a stand up paddleboard. And you know, this sounds really sad but I haven't got one yet because I think to myself, is it worth spending several hundred pounds and all of the faff to use something just on the weekend? And that's me writing off Monday to Friday and saying, although I live a five minute walk from the beach, I just accept that I won't get there during the day because I've got so much work to do. And uh, even saying that out loud <laughs> makes me feel like, <laughs> makes me feel like I could probably free up 10 hours if I really worked at it. Yeah. How about you, Jonathan? Go on, Ollie. I'll probably go to the park with my kids <laughs> and I'll, I'll balance that with probably reading some books. I've not read as much as I should or and do a bit of art as well. I haven't been drawing as much as I should as well. But yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, that bit of trade off. And you could just imagine the increase in productivity and well-being overall. If you roll that out towards to a team, I'm sure Ollie, if, if your team and my team, if, if we did have that sort of saving across the team, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay, so maybe it's my maybe it's my turn then. So why this program and why now, Daryl? And I'm asking this question for the second time because I loved the answer so much when we were having a chat about uh, having you on the show. Why are you excited about bringing this to the world and making it available to people? Yeah, again, great question. I think a few there's a few things really. Um, there's the the scalability of this now, having an app and that pre-recorded program. If a million people want to start it tomorrow, they can. Before I had this program, you know, I used to do my, and I still do a bit of this, of course, anyway, but when I used to do my, more of a focus before COVID on my professional speaking appearances, one-to-one uh, -one executive coaching, uh, group training programs, consulting projects, and I could only do so many at once. I definitely couldn't do a million. <laughs> You know, so for me, who loves helping people, you know, the thought of going from helping hundreds of businesses and leaders per year to millions is just, you know, it's like, wow, you know, God, you know, this is me. You know, I want to build a legacy. I want to help people. I want to make a difference. 
with my skills you know my experiences i want to take those out into the world on a bigger scale so that that's one big thing and i guess the other bit is around i've mentioned helping others a few times and uh, there's a whole load of reasons where that comes from but i guess what i went through personally um, with the burnout a few years ago and some dark places that took me to and how how i learned about how common it is you know one in four people before covid were expected to experience mental health issues and be at risk of things such as burnout um, you know, every year. You know, it's 25% of your friends and family and work colleagues every year. And that was before COVID. <laughs> so, of course, now you know, we're seeing in- increases of work-related stress, uh, depression, suicide, anxiety, and a whole host of things. So to be able to um, make a dent on that and help reduce people's worries and anxieties and take the pressure off, that's kind of a big, big driver for me and, you know, helping others to learn from some of my successes, but also my failures, um, which I don't really see anymore as failures. I see them as opportunities to learn and to become stronger and more resilient and you know, opportunities to help others avoid uh, some of my mistakes. Um, which I always say it's better to learn from the mistakes of others rather than to make mistakes ourselves. They've said that for a long time you know it's great to learn from your mistakes and yeah okay I, I do agree with that to an extent isn't it much better if i can learn something from you ollie or you jonathan today that enables me to avoid that same mistake that you made and save potentially lots of money lots of heartache lots of wasted time and that's where learning is so important learn from others does that answer your question ollie in the way i might have answered it before <laughs> yeah yeah it really does it really does and what would you say to people who who gave a response a bit like mine, I suppose, that kind of indicated that all of the things that you're talking about sound good? And sure, it sounds like some people are claiming back 10 hours a week, but there's no way I could do that because all of these reasons, I'm, I'm just too busy. Yeah, well, that's where, you know, I, I always try to look at the motivations and, and just visualize and like... Jonathan, like you captured perfectly earlier, um, you know, I love you, you just intuitively picked this up, but it's a, wow, you know, what can I do with an extra 10 hours per week? <laughs> it's trying to find out, you know, trying to help people to identify how they could get more from their time, you know, achieve more in less, in less time and less effort, to have more fun at work, because life can be too short at times, you know, to embrace the fact that there are others, you know, perhaps in your business or out there in the world who are waiting for you to find them uh, to give them all the tasks you don't like doing and and they love doing those tasks not only do they love doing them but they do them three four times quicker and because they might be professionally trained in them and it's like it's a good example for certainly for entrepreneurs and leaders to avoid and get rid of any sort of operational administrative tasks it's fairly cost effective to hire someone to take on those tasks or to outsource and generally then, you know, to be able to reallocate that time, for instance, to winning more £10,000 sales contracts, it's going to quickly give you quite a big return on investment on any cost to be spent. But there's also just that knock-on effect and power of spending more time doing what you love and doing what you do best. And we see that swapping strengths and weakness tasks across teams is quite a powerful way to transform life-work balance and business growth at the same time. So that, that's a big area. But there's so many different ways you can tackle well-being, productivity, life-work balance strategy. It's, it's lots of little things you can do and they all add up um, to bigger and bigger results. And sometimes from some of the workshops I do, because I do free uh, monthly workshops around life-work effects and giving away practical tips and advice. And sometimes people have been a bit overwhelmed when they come on my workshops or if they hear me on a podcast. Because, uh, you know, when I go into the giving away top takeaways and they're like, oh, this is quite a lot and I'm already really busy, so I don't have time and how am I going to do this? And then they go back to those old habits that we talked about earlier. But I just say that just change one thing a week for 12 weeks. And a lot of these little habits, they only take a few minutes here and there. So you change one thing a week, 12 weeks, and imagine the possibilities by the end of it. And uh, it's, it's not actually that difficult if you break it down into bite-sized chunks like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah, because am I right in assuming, though, that those 10 hours, is it's not 
really restricted into your working hours, right? If you've decided, so save that big hairy potato. <laughs> I've left it till, let's say, four and I'm supposed to finish at five, but it's taking me a couple more hours because I'm not as switched on as I would be in the morning. If I've sort of just rearranged my calendar, I'd be saving it. I'll save an hour that day anyway. If I get it done early in the morning, I wouldn't be working super hard in the afternoon, right? And if you spread those learnings across your calendar in the week, you can easily save a bit of time there. Whilst you were talking, I was just thinking, I was like, oh, I wonder what kind of heavy sort of calculation tasks I have in the afternoon that I could actually just push to the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, this is uh, amazing. And um, it's also just to give you a little, it's kind of a couple of teasers, really, if the, some of the, the different things our, our listeners can do differently. If your, meet, if your typical meeting calendar appointment is an hour long, um, just trial for a few weeks, capping them at 45 minutes. But don't then book another meeting straight after it, so you back to back. Keep the 15 minutes gap and use that 15 minutes if you need to, to do any follow-up to that meeting. Get that done out of the way while it's fresh, rather than picking up later in the day when you've got to think back and you've got to flick through your notes, try and read your messy writing, <laughs> trying to figure out what the hell you wrote or what you committed to. It's happened to me quite a lot because I write like a doctor, apparently. Although Einstein also had very messy handwriting, so I'm quite happy with that comparison, FYI. But yeah, just uh, um, use that 15 minutes, get the follow-up while it's fresh. There's efficiency in that, there's productivity in that. And then you've hopefully then got sort of a bit of a five minute break as well before the next meeting so you're not staring at the screen constantly as well you know you can go and have that quick cuddle with the kids or a play fight um or walk around the block uh, have a fresh coffee a healthy snack so some pumpkin seeds some dark chocolate really good for your brain blueberries fatty fishes that's probably not a, a quick snack but it's great to have things like that for lunch you know a hearty meal rather than a packet sandwich from the local supermarket or petrol station. Um, there's, um, it's quite amazing how many people I speak to that haven't actually thought about proactively building in uh, foods that are specifically good for feeding the brain into your daily diet. And I know that since I've been doing that, my energy and my well-being has been through the roof by comparison. So it's thinking about what, what foods you eat as well. And then there's another little example when I wake up every day, the first thing I do is get out of bed and I go and drink 500 milliliters of fresh water. Why? Drinking that amount, that is what your body needs to help flush through the harmful uh, toxins that's been processing during your sleep from all that stuff you've been eating in the day before. So helping flush those out gives your, it helps uh, give your sort of your body a break, um, but it further boosts your energy. Um, it sets you up for the day really nicely. It's, toxins can do some quite nasty things to our bodies. So um, 500 milliliters of water is a nice little habit as well. And furthermore, annoyingly, it makes you go to the loo every 45 minutes for the rest of the morning. But again, the positive of that is it's forcing you to get away from the desk. So you're giving your eyes a break, giving your brain a break from staring at that screen, and you're getting the oxygen flowing by having to physically leave your desk and walk to the bathroom. So there's multiple benefits, just that one habit of drinking 500 milliliters of water. I actually do this. And I'm pretty sure I told you this when you and I used to work together, Jonathan. It was the only way I could force myself to take a break was just keep hitting the water and eventually I have to get up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's brilliant. And Ollie, you're literally, you're probably, you're one in one out of hundreds of people that I, that I speak to probably over a month actually through the through the workshops I do I'm, I'm obviously reaching a lot of people but very few people are doing things like this you know, so it's really great to hear that you know something I say isn't actually new <laughs> if that makes sense oh it's I mean it's it's really been a an interesting journey for us this podcast isn't it Jonathan and uh, we were talking about it the other day and remarking that it's great to share the wisdom of others and to help people to think about and to start to resolve some of the common problems around us, right? But we've also learned so much, haven't we, Jonathan? Yeah, I've learned a ton. <laughs> Being a, a 90s baby, I've learned a lot about wellness, about mental health, you know, about um, life-work balance, really. And I've learned a lot this podcast as well. <laughs> um, so thank you, Daryl. But uh, yeah, Oli, um, I think you really are, you and Daryl are the one in 100 that uh, that actually have that amount of water in the morning, I tend to have a lot, but I spread it around throughout the day. So that's something I'm going to change. If I 
if I front load it, <laughs> yeah, I'll be flushing my system in the morning. So that's a good, that's a good note there. Yep. Do you know what? I pledge to do that every day for the next week and then we can compare notes. What do you reckon? Yes. Yep. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. So we've covered uh, a number of steps uh, that people can take to improve productivity and avoid, I'd say, burnout to a degree with a, with a number of the operational changes that they can make to their schedule. Is there anything else that if you're a leader or a uh, entrepreneur that you can do to help others around you support a healthy life-work balance? Yeah, absolutely. I think some of it starts with leading by example a nice easy way so when we're allowed to fly again one of the first things that the cabin crew say in the emergency uh, safety briefing is in the event of an emergency please put your own oxygen mask on first if you don't and you help someone else well you're then going to die shortly after helping them if not during and you're not going to be able to help anyone else and your life saver so looking after ourselves better and then leading by example and showing and sharing with our teams how we're doing that and sharing the benefits of that is one good thing. You can also, I don't want to make a sales plug, but you can also bring people like me to run in, run lunch and learn sessions uh, for your teams where we do like 30 minutes of a little bit of context about, for instance, the life work effect and the benefits of well-being, life work balance and productivity. And then go into sort of 20 minutes of boom, 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 action board advice and practical takeaways before then a, an audience Q&A. Um, you can do things like this to you know, help upskill and give your staff more knowledge, more tools, more methods to do this stuff. And what else can you do, really? I think probably the, the final key piece of advice I'd share on that actually is uh, um, really making time to understand your team and understand your staff and listening to them and checking in on them and really showing an interest in them personally not making it all business business work 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 and there's a few benefits to that again it makes work more fun it improves morale and teamwork but also gets you a better insight to how they are and how you can help them and if you, and you'll see signs of them not being particularly happy or getting or being more tired being too rushed too often and being stressed and you can check in on them and you'll have the rapport because you've spent time getting to know them and supporting them you'll have the rapport that they'll have the confidence to open up to you and then you know problem shared is a problem halved <laughs> that's a bonus straight away and you can work together on that and sometimes that's reallocating some workload across a team maybe it's helping them with better uh, stress coping methods helping them with prioritization time management skills, which are also some of the things I cover in my program. But you know, there's, there's so many resources out there for these things. Um, I've also got a, a YouTube channel. Um, I've got some free eBooks and downloads on my website as well. So if anyone wants to get some more healthy habits and, and practical things they can do to improve well-being, to fight burnout, avoid it altogether, ideally, and to boost productivity, just head over to the DarrellWoodhouse.com website or stick my name on YouTube and uh, you'll find me come up there with uh, lots of short videos with practical advice and tips on a whole range of topics. You've been generating good, healthy, helpful content for a while, haven't you, my friend? It's Thank good... you. I'm trying to, trying to. I think I did 48, I think it's 48 videos I did through, uh, through lockdown. And if I had more time, I'd do more. But obviously, as, as you guys know, it takes quite a lot of work behind the scenes with producing content and, uh, and podcasts and so on. So it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes time, especially if you want to make it good quality, like I know you guys are with Problem Busters. Fantastic. So we'll also have a number of the links, if not all the links, in our show notes. Um, you know it. Yep. <laughs> Available on all streaming platforms, <laughs> as well as our website. Um, we have a full comprehensive uh, list of the links and the notes. So I think, Ollie, um, this leads us into our sharing section. I think it does. Dun, da, da, da. Da, da, da. <laughs> so, Daryl, who do you most look up to in the world? Um, I don't know if you've heard this one before from others, um, but uh, I have to say my wife, uh, actually. She's uh, my best friend. She's uh, strong, not much phases her, and uh, she's helped me through um, a few years back. She really helped me get out of a, a tough spot. And uh, it's been very patient with me and very supportive. And yeah, I just um, kind of, I guess I look up to how she embraces life work balance and, uh, and stress management and, and uh, 
how she goes about things. So I take a lot of um, energy and inspiration from her. That's so cool. And I don't think we have heard that yet, Jonathan. No, we haven't. We haven't. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> you are numero uno. Yes. Wonderful. What book or film has most inspired you recently? I won't say, well, I, say, I won't say recently. It's a film I watched a long time ago, but I talk about it a lot. And I'm planning to watch it again soon, actually. Uh, it's been a while. It's, it's something that, I guess, whilst I didn't watch it as recently, it's, it still has a really positive impact on me. And it's uh, called Pay It Forward. Have you heard of that? I love it. You've seen it? Yeah, I saw it and I loved it so okay. much that I started a very small charity that only exists on Facebook called Ask It Forward. And the oh, idea was really? that if I could just encourage people to ask someone a question and then that person to ask a couple of questions that we could all learn from each other. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I absolutely loved that movie. Can you send me the link to that, Ollie? Yeah, I will. I will. I can't say that it's had a lot of admin recently, but it's still a nice idea. (laughs) Brilliant. That's fantastic. Jonathan, have you heard of or seen this film? No, unfamiliar with uh, with the film. No way. Okay, then uh, how'd you like to give us a a quick summary, Daryl? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't want to give too much of a spoiler away, but um, it's a very good fiction movie about um, a young boy who creates this pay it forward initiative encouraging everyone to go and help free other people basically and, and to do or to do free kind things and it ends up going uh, national so i think probably i think it actually goes global which is why i need to see it again um but it's just a in short it's a really nice film with the message of being kind and being helpful to others and um, and actually if enough people do that um it really creates more sort of greatness and kindness in the world and can bring more of the best out of people. And would, that, would you agree with that, Ollie? From, from Absolutely. Story? Yeah. It, mm, wow. it was just so touching, and especially especially the whole protagonist being a little boy. Yeah. yeah. Often children can teach us so much, right? Yes. And, uh, yeah, again, don't want to spoil, give too many spoilers, because it would be great for other people to go and watch it for themselves, but... Uh, I did have a bit of a, a teary moment towards the end with a, a particular scene. Absolutely. When did the film come out? I'm surprised I haven't uh, heard of it. I, I do I love my films. I it was 99 <laughs> or 97 or something like that, maybe. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. Daryl? Yeah, I'm just uh, quickly Googling it now. To Thank see. you, Google. Yeah, I think it was yes. uh, about 20 years ago. 2000, there you go. Oh, was, oh 2000. Was, I, okay. That's I'll, within reasonable... Uh, yeah, I think I just came back from France at that point. I was like nine, nine years old, nine, ten. Oh, you're so, so yeah. young. <laughs> so young so, and fresh and keen. That's probably why I was, uh, <laughs> I think um, Castaway was around then, I think, as well. Wilson. But yeah. Yeah, Wilson. In France, they call it, is it Solomon, which is the last person on earth or something like that. But yeah, no, um, pay it forward. Uh, what was it? Pay it forward. Yes, that is going to be committed to memory, and I will search for that this evening. <laughs> and it will, of course, be in the show notes. Yes, definitely. Great choice, Daryl. So let's talk about maybe movements or projects that have caught your attention lately. That's a good question. Movements can be quite small and quite local as well, and still be inspiring. Okay, I like the fact that I'm seeing a trend of more individuals and organizations talking about uh, conscious capitalism and in a nutshell in, in my interpretation that's about putting people and planet before profit not instead of profit but because you know profit is can be important to give people important incentive and motivation to, to work hard and, and, and build a business and all this good stuff but it's about a move away from a traditional corporate focus on profit at the sacrifice, often the sacrifice of our planet and the sacrifice of our staff, um, uh, exploiting customers, you know, and I'm sure we all know and have experienced a lot of that in the past. And uh, yeah, it's just great to see um, more people are giving attention and donating time and resource and profits, for instance, to planting more trees, uh, removing plastic from the oceans. And yeah, it's, it's all these things are important to me and it'd be great to know as I get older, that my kids and, and grandchildren will still have a healthy planet to live on, uh, for example. Wouldn't it be great for world peace and uh, 
for poverty to be um, to be removed. Yeah, I think that's definitely we're definitely seeing a trend. I think companies like Apple using a lot more recycled material, like recycled plastics, and uh, also the automotive industry as well. I think with the introduction of electric vehicles, I think there are some right now with materials for the interiors of the car sort of made from recycled plastics that they're sort of getting from the ocean as well. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's that's really, really, really good. That space is, is just amazing because uh, you're not just consuming and creating products and <laughs> amassing all of this, this sort of money. You're kind of thinking about the impact that you're making on, on the world. So We'll have to get some of those people on, right? And also on my list of... Uh, of a very long list and all the people that I think it'd be great to have on the show. We've got the people who've been working on, I think it's bacteria that eat plastic. Oh, um, yes. Brilliant. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Daryl, on to tech. What tech is improving your life right now? <laughs> Some people might laugh at this. Um, YouTube. <laughs> Why YouTube? I subscribe to uh, YouTube Music for $9.99 a month, and it gives me an abundance of um, amazing new and old music. Uh, I, I love music. Uh, it gives me lots of uh, inspiration, motivation, energy. I'm listening to it as much as I can whenever I'm not on a, in a meeting and speaking to someone. It's always, I've always got music on. And then also um, the other aspect of, of YouTube, as it's more widely known, you know, with its video content, there's so much great content on there. Some not so good content, of course, but some great content. People we can learn from, new topics we can upskill on, um, and they're much of it for free as well. So it's, it's pretty incredible. And I, I like visual learning myself. You know, I love being able to not just listen, but actually to see people's um, body language and see them in person and such. So, yeah, YouTube. Ah, that's cool. That's a, that's that's a first, right? I think. Uh, I imagine you'd plus one that though, Jonathan. Oh, I am YouTube plus generation. One. I've got, yes, I've got the YouTube Premium because I listen to a lot of music as well, and I watch a lot of YouTube. I think I remember using YouTube in two thousand and five when before Google owned it, because, <laughs> and I'm definitely part of that generation. And there is a lot of content on there, and it's the barrier to entry is so low that. Essentially, if you want to become a creator, there's nothing stopping you to, you know, and it's just wonderful. It's amazing. So can you find a certain podcast on YouTube, Jonathan? Oh, I don't know. Maybe if you could type in problem busters. <laughs> Reckon you might. <laughs> yep. And in the in the related videos, you'll find Daryl as well. So wonderful. <laughs> Perfect. So one of the last of our sharing section and potentially the heaviest. <laughs> what is the one thing you'd like to change in the world? Um, probably, I might have given a hint to this earlier, really, but you know, I would just love for there to be no poverty, for global warming not to be an issue, amazing, great animal species to not be on an endangered list. You know, so, I, you know, I want perfection, <laughs> effectively, for the whole world. That would be amazing to have. Wonderful. I'm sure you must have had that answer before from others, right? Bits and pieces, uh, but I think bits, you summed yeah. it up quite nicely, if I'm honest. Yeah, you, I think yours was uh, quite all-encompassing, which is which is wonderful. <laughs> okay, well, I'll have to add with all of that, and of course, for everyone to see the value of and embrace a true life-work balance, um, not to be all work, 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 no play. Amen. Yes, yes. And how can people get in touch with you and find out more about your work and the life-work balance? effect yeah thanks for asking Ollie. Um, probably main website for the best one which is darylwoodhouse.com um, so it's only spelled Daryl right I'm quite easy to find um, I'm also on LinkedIn uh, yeah what else mine? I've got my own YouTube channel I'm on Instagram Twitter Facebook <laughs> so yeah I'm always welcome people to, to join my community and follow me I'm always welcome to private messages happy to have one-to-ones with people I do love networking and helping and adding values so uh, yeah i'd love to hear from, from anyone and everyone good for you and uh to that effect touche daryl has kindly put together a 10 percent discount for listeners so how could people go to collect on that daryl um yeah thanks on yeah of course we've got a special promo code which is problem busters 
which I thought was quite fitting. And I think in in the show notes, um, we'll have the the link that takes you directly through to the website for the entire LifeWork program with that post-COVID innovation mobile app. And uh, yeah, so that's that's one place. Alternatively, just just message me on any of those social channels or through my website, and uh, I can provide the link further or take any questions. You know, and as I say happy to jump on one-to-one calls as well. Yeah, thank you. That's very generous of you. And we will also put a link to your very generous weekly workshops. I think that thank is you. an amazing yeah. thing to do for people, and I look forward to attending one myself. I might even make space in my week for it. Yes, please do. <laughs> awesome. I think that's it, Jonathan. Have you got anything else? No, I think that's it. I'd like to thank Daryl at Daryl Woodhouse for joining us uh, on this episode of Problem Busters. So thank you. <laughs> and yeah, I really enjoyed this, Holly. How about yourself? Yeah, a lot to learn. And I really enjoyed it too. I have to admit, I came into this episode thinking... We could get a lot of good information here. Um, good information, but a lot of it. And, and I'm really, I feel really lucky that, Daryl, you've really summarized down to just a handful of things that are helpful to, so that people can take them on board and not get drowned in them. So thank you for filtering for us. Oh, pleasure. Thank you, guys. And like I say, isn't, it, isn't uh, life just so much nicer when you can go and do uh, something that's work-related and it doesn't actually feel like work and it's actually a pleasure. And, and I kind of feel like I've been in uh, the same room as yourself, Holly and Jonathan, and we've just been kind of having a nice chat, relaxing, and whilst hopefully creating some great thoughts and uh, and ideas for, for our listeners. So, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure for me. So thank you very much. Good stuff. It's what keeps us doing it, right, Jonathan? Yes, it is. It is. And um, for our listeners... Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all major streaming platforms, as well as YouTube. (laughs) So thank you very much, and we'll catch you next time. Ciao.